0: I'm Richard, and I'm Gary, and these are our incredible stories. During World War Two. In the Hungarian city of Kishvarda, Jewish men, women, and little children were taken from their homes and squeezed into a terribly overcrowded ghetto. Uh, The rabbi lived and suffered with his flock, and he tried to help, and so did his teenaged son. His son, Pinchas Tibor Rosenbaum, became a hero of the Holocaust. Uh, His daring exploit inspired the 2014 movie Walking Among the Enemy. And joining us tonight is Tina Shapiro, whose family has a connection to this story. So, Tina, we're really honored to have you with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to share my story with you and let you know a little bit about my family and how we progress to find each other. Um, As you mentioned, uh, my family is from Kishvarda, which is in the northern Uh, area of Hungary. A lot of vineyards are are there. That village was predominantly Jewish and as the story goes um, my family lived on property that belonged to a baron and he didn't have any male heirs to take over his land and so as we know in the 15th century uh, people that were on those lands usually uh, combine families together, and so he left the land to my family and the, and the people and and some illegitimate children that he had. So there was a connection to nobility in my family. Um, some of them left before the war. Some of them, obviously, a lot of them didn't. My grandfather did come here. He came here with three children. Uh, My father was born here in the United States. And um, he, my grandmother, passed away in childbirth with her fifth child. She was 36 years old. I had no, I had no knowledge of that because when I was born, I was the youngest in that family and my grandfather had remarried within a year of losing his wife because he had four children and in those days you needed to get married so you would have someone to care for the children. And so my father was three when his mother died and my grandfather married this woman and for my most of my life, until I was 15, I was under the assumption that she was my grandmother. Um, When you're young and you ask your parents who you're named after, they always say, well, you're named after Uncle so-and-so or Aunt this one or your grandmother. And I was told I was named after my my father's aunt. And so when my grandmother that I didn't know was not my grandmother uh, passed away, I was told that she was not my grandmother. And I had many, many questions that no one could answer. My father was three when his mother passed away. The memories were not really, no one spoke about it. This was something that was never discussed. So when he was, when my grandfather got married, he had four children, the woman he married had two and together they had three. So they were a large family. So I had no knowledge of my real grandmother, the person that I was named after. Um, in 2008, my aunt, my, my father's brother's wife, received a phone call from a man who lived in Brooklyn, New York, asking for me. And my, my aunt called me and said, there's a man looking for you. I think he wants money, get rid of him. <laughs> I said, how can, how can I get rid of him? I, I don't even know who this person is. Did you give him my phone number? She goes, of course not. I would never give your phone number, but I have his phone number. So I said, all right, and I I called him, and he said, your family is looking for you. They have been looking for you since 1996. And I said, okay, well, how did you find me? And he said, well, I went to the cemetery where your parents are buried, and I went to the office and I asked, who cares for these graves? And they gave me your name, but your phone number is unpublished, so I couldn't get in touch with you. And I did my research, and I found your aunt, and this is what happened. And I would like to connect you to your cousin who lives in Budapest, who's been looking for you. So part part of me was really excited, but part of me was very frightened because I didn't know who these people are, and I'm not sure I know. I don't know enough. I didn't know enough about my history to know if this is honest and accurate and real. So I spoke to the man that, that, cared, that found the information through the cemetery. We spoke for months and months until finally I felt comfortable. And I said, okay, I'm ready. Introduce me. Well, he introduced me to Tibor, Tibi, who is my cousin in Budapest. Um, He's an attorney, but now he is a full-fledged genealogist. That's all he does. And so we started talking, and he told me about my grandmother and that her name was Antonia. I don't even think my father knew that that was her name because that's not the name on her gravestone. And so he started to piece the, the, the puzzle for me and told me that I have many, many relatives that are looking for me and that I am the key so to speak, uh, of putting this family together. So for 2008 to 2009, we worked together, and I was able to give him the names of the people that were in my immediate family and certainly names of people that I could recall. I'm very blessed to have a retentive memory. So all the things that I had heard from my mother and my father and people that I had met, I remembered. And the journey was, I can't even, I could cry. It was just so unbelievable because I had no family. I was the last one. I have a couple of cousins. I have, out of of all of those aunts and uncles, there is no one left. So there was no one to question and say, did this really happen? Was this the person? And so we were on our own to do that. And I connected him to about... 100 people, and over that year um, we shared pictures, he shared pictures with me, he shared um, a video that was taken of when they left Kishvarta, and I remarked, and I'm like, I can't believe that they're all really dressed up, and they're wearing beautiful furs and coats, and, and he said, yes, they're all educated, and they had, and they had, they were wealthy because they owned these vineyards. Um, and so in 2009, I couldn't take it anymore. I said, I have to meet them. I have to go in person. And so my husband and I went and, um, we met, there were 20 of us at that meeting and we sat around in a circle and we discussed our lives and who we were and what we did. And, you know, all of them are highly educated. There were cardiologists and lawyers and economists and, There was one man, he was the eldest, he was the one that pushed them to find me and he was the only one who who didn't speak English. And so in his, his son was translating for him and he said, during the war, he lived in the woods for three years. And I said, oh my gosh, that's that's like the movie, you know, like the movie. And he said, no, 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 that's the movie, this is real life, this is what really happened. He wanted to go to the university, and obviously they wouldn't let him go because he was Jewish. So he lived in the woods, and after three years, after the liberation, he went back, he got two degrees, and he became a professor at the university in Budapest. Wow. And we were in his apartment, and he was showing me all the little things in his apartment, and he kept taking my face and putting his hands and saying, I told them not to give up. I knew you were there. I told them they can't give up. They must find you. And it was just, um, it was incredible. It, it was, I felt so close to them and so connected. And and so they were my family. And Over the next, I would say, so it's 2009, so from 2009 to 2014, we communicated two, three times a week. Um, And then in 2014, we decided to have a world family reunion. And there were over 150 people invited, and 100 people came. So we were 100 people from 12 countries. And it was amazing the way it was set up, because it was set up in a ballroom in a hotel in Budapest. And each table had a flag of what country you were from. They also, for people that couldn't attend, they sent videos. And I was sitting next to this woman, Elisa, who I had spoken to on the phone. She lives in Israel. Her family, she has family that live in uh, Michigan. And she was looking at the video and she said, oh my God, that woman, we're in the same survivor group. I didn't know that we were related. So here we are, another person that they've known each other for years and they never knew that they were related. And so that was my Aunt Racha that I explained to you who was an artist living in Israel and she was a survivor of Auschwitz and she made puppets and she would go to the schools in Israel and tell the story of the Holocaust to the children through a puppet show and so there were people from from Prague and London and and Israel and just and everyone there was no it was like family, there was no delineation between anybody, and we shared everything that we knew about each other. And at that point we decided we were all gonna have our DNA um, our DNA done, so we would know where we fit in. And I got an email from my cousin that said, congratulations, Tina, you are the winner. You have the closest DNA to the royalty in our family. That's amazing. And my husband said, "Well, I guess there won't be any living with you now." <laughs> <laughs> so um, we did plan to get together. Obviously, we were going to do it last year, and obviously, that didn't work because of COVID. So we are planning another reunion, but we have no—you know—we don't have any idea of when that might be. But we're discovering new people every day. And it's just, I think we have now, we have a private Facebook group, and I think we have 250 members in that group. Wow. Uh, and we all keep in touch with each other. We all write to each other. It, it's, it's truly amazing. I've become very, very close with Tibby. As a matter of fact, he has written, it's amusing, he wrote two books and their volumes. We have a family crest. Now, it's very interesting because Jewish people really don't have a crest. But we have a family press, and the books are volumes this big. There are at least 500 pages in each book. And my son decided, I'm going to buy this for my mom for her birthday. They're all in Hungarian. I can't read them. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it was a great gesture, but I have them on display in my house because, you know, it, it's so from having no family Um, And actually, the thing that's most important to me is the connection I now have to my grandmother, who I knew nothing about. I know now that she was, she had a twin. Um, She was from a a village not far from where my grandfather lived. I have some pictures of her, um, but I'm learning every day of other family members. We, you know, some of them, he went back 64 generations. Some of them, like everybody else, a lot of these members are illegitimate. They were fostered by the royalty of that family that owned that property that didn't have a a male heir. And so I have my own kind of masterpiece theater, I guess.
0: (laughs) It sounds like, it sounds like. The uh, Esterhazy family was one of the largest aristocratic families in that uh, area and by any chance is that part of the no. family you're connected with? The,
1: the, uh, I'm not sure. I shouldn't say no because I would have to confer with Tibby. But the the name of my family was Beck, B-E-C-K,
0: mm-hmm. and there
1: was a von Beck who was and a, 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 a Paul Beck, P-A-L, Paul Beck, who was the Baron that owned the land. They took mm-hmm. the, the they made arrangement with him. The, we would have to take his name in order to inherit the land. That was the trade-off. And so that's what they did. If you noticed in the movie, Walking with the Enemy, a predominant name was mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That name is pre- prevalent in my family. There are many of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Many, many Bardosh people in my family.
0: And, you know, you mentioned uh, so many generations. Uh, it is amazing that... Um, the jewish settlements in this area go back at least to the uh, late 1600s and probably even earlier than that yes thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, jewish folks lived lived there and in 1941 uh, the population of kishvarda had dropped down to 3770 and sadly in 1996 it was at 22
1: yes that uh, Hungary was Hitler's last march. Um, he came there I, very late 1944, and that was his last his last march was was into Hungary. Mm-hmm.
0: So your family actually uh, lived in this uh, this uh, village of Kishvarda at the time when all of these uh, things were taking place in the uh, Holocaust, and so. They would have been impacted one way or the other by some of uh, uh, Pinchas Rosenbaum's uh, activities. Uh, I checked on his birth date, and he was born in late 1923. So, you know, as 1944 dawned, he was like barely 20 years old. So here's here's a, a guy who probably was doing a lot of heroic things as a teenager.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I, I've been told that I had a cousin who was, in, who was in Auschwitz and had escaped. And he joined forces with Hannah Senesch, who, as we know, was a Hungarian. She, she led the resistance um, in Hungary, and he, he joined her to fight against the Nazis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I didn't know that before either. These were all revelations to oh, me that as um, I was finding out of, of people... It was funny because the man that had called me originally that went to the cemetery was also related to me distantly. And I had asked him, where do you live? And he said, I I, I live in Brooklyn. And I said, oh, well, I was raised in Brooklyn. I said, where? And he said, Borough Park. And I said, oh, are you part of the Hasidic sect. And he goes, we like everybody. And I said, I didn't say that. (laughs) Because to me, you know, we're, um, we're very reformed. We're not, we're not, you know, conservative or religious. As a matter of fact, when I met my cousin who lives in Tel Aviv, because we planned a trip there and we, we did visit with her there. She said, when you come, don't expect much. We ride on Saturday, we belong to the Harley Davidson Club of Tel Aviv, and we eat on Yom Kippur. We live in
0: Israel, (laughs) that's
1: enough. I was like, okay.
0: Uh,
1: It was,
0: yeah. That's that's delightful. That's absolutely delightful. Real, really people. Real people. Um, One other thing I did want to uh, uh, bring up uh, in our conversation, because... When uh, we first uh, chatted with you and you mentioned uh, walking with the enemy, I did uh, get a hold of the movie and and watch it. And uh, it shows uh, Pinchas uh, Rosenbaum uh, stealing SS officer uniforms and portraying SS officers to save uh, some of the Jews that were, you know, being assigned to the transports to the extermination camps. And He also, in real life, uh, got them a lot of passports, uh, probably from the resistance, uh, and uh, performed a lot of uh, different rescue missions. One of the things that the movie didn't bring out is, though, that uh, he was even more daring than that uh, because not only did he portray SS officers, but he also uh, ended up getting uh, uniforms from that Hungarian Arrow Cross, which was the Hungarian Nazi, uh, you know, uh, armed, uh, group. And so, uh, this, this young guy just fascinates me because of that young age that he was out determined to make a difference in the world and save as many lives as he possibly could. And as you know, if you save one life, you've, you've saved, uh, you know, the world.
1: I, I think that war makes you older than your years and wiser
0: mm-hmm.
1: because when, um, the person I told you was living in the woods. He was only, I think he was 17 mm-hmm. and he was, he was living in the woods. I mean, he, that, that's the way he survived and he lived that way for three years. So I think that that, you know, that I think when you're going through a situation like that, you mature, you survive, you learn survival skills that you know normally you wouldn't learn.
0: You have to be so adaptable because we assume we came from uh, a wealthy class of individual and uh, to go from that to surviving in the woods, Dina, good grief.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. It, it, it was interesting when we got together in the smaller group, the original group that met and we went around the room, one of uh, this, this man's son actually worked at the NIH in, uh, in Washington and he's a physician he was so close to me, because I was living in New Jersey, but we didn't know where, you know, there was, no, my brother had gone to Hungary, and, and actually in 1996, and he went to the Hall of Records trying to find them, but because of the name change, and he didn't know about the Bardoch connection, and there was no internet, really, mm-hmm. so there was no archiving, no. there was nothing to research. And he came back and he said to my grandfather, who, you know, my grandfather said, when you go, this is where you have to go. This is who you have to look for. Here are some of the names that you need to look for. And he came back and he said to my grandfather, I, it, it, there's, I, there was nobody there. And he goes, yes, they're there. You didn't look hard enough. You know, he got very angry at him. He said, you didn't look hard enough because they're there. So my aunt went after him, and she couldn't find anybody either. So it was interesting to note that they were looking for me at the same time that they had been there, and we couldn't find each other. Mm-hmm. That's why it was really 2008 when he went to the cemetery and yeah. he located those graves.
0: And that uh, takes some perseverance, too. Uh, the search for you in in and of itself is an incredible feat. Mm-hmm. I was
1: so happy that they found me. I, I I just, I, I, in the beginning, like I said, I, I didn't know if it was true. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they, they weren't sure about me either because in speaking to me in the very beginning, they asked me, okay, where did your father say that they were from? What village? And I'm like, wait, I know this. It's like, I, I said, this is like a test, but I know it. And, and I finally said, okay, I remember my dad said Kishvarda. He goes, "Yes, yes, that's right, that's right." Now the next question, and they started asking me all these questions, and so it was was interesting.
0: Did you get to visit? They didn't
1: trust me either. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, they didn't mm-hmm. know for, for sure if it was me.
0: Right, right. I mean, it was so improbable that the connection would be made. Uh, it was a long shot to be sure. Uh, did you get to visit Kishvarda when you were there in Hungary?
1: I didn't, and that was on the docket for this time, for this trip. We made sure that this time we were going to go up to the country and see that countryside because that's very important to me. I I want to see where they were from.
0: Yeah, that's part of your family heritage, a very important part of your family heritage. Kishbarda.
1: Yeah, it's about a – I think he said it was about a two- or three-hour drive from Budapest. They they all live in Budapest now. Mm -hmm. The other thing that was funny, uh, we had been – we had gone on a trip and incorporated seeing them with this, this trip that we took. We took a, a cruise on the Danube. And um, there's a, a, a castle on top of a mountain in Budapest. And we were walking up and I looked up and it, it kind of looked like rain. And my cell phone rang and I picked it up and it was Tibby. And he said, it's me, it's, it's, it's I, it's Tibby. Do you have your umbrella with you? And I'm like looking around like, is he here? And he said, no, no, I, I saw the weather report. It's going to rain. I have to make sure you have your umbrella. I said, I do. It was so funny. And so the, the tour operator knew that I was going to meet my family. Oh, he was so excited. And so the, that was the first night and we got back to the hotel and he was waiting for me. And he said, did you meet your family? Did you meet them? And I said, yes, It was it was wonderful. And I said, wait, I, I have a card. My, my other cousin gave me a card. Let me find it. I, I took it out of my pocket. I said, look, this is my cousin. So he looked at the card and he said to me, this is your cousin? I said, yeah, that's Tomas. He said, he's a famous TV producer here. I said, he is? He said, yes, he's like famous here. I said, he didn't say he was famous. He was so unassuming, mm. <laughs> and what the interesting thing for me was, I, he was the first person when I walked through the door. Mm. He's young, but he was the image of my father.
0: Mm.
1: Mm. I mean, you could just see the family resemblance. It was so strong. Mm. Wow. That was, was really amazing.
0: Tina, is there any way you could uh, put in words how these experiences have absolutely enriched or changed your life?
1: Um, All of my family, my immediate family, and and the family that lives here in the U.S. are gone except for maybe three cousins. And so it's changed my life because I have family now. Mm -hmm. And we are family and it's very important to all of us we take it very seriously it's not you know some it, it even though we live miles and miles away from each other we keep in touch with each other it's not like a lot of families and a lot of jewish families too get together on occasions weddings funerals and bar mitzvahs and then you don't see anybody mm-hmm And then when you go to the funeral, they'll say, oh, my God, why didn't we get together sooner? This is so great. Why do we let all this time pass? So we've made a point not to let that happen to us because it's easy to let that happen. So I have been given a family. You know, I don't have my parents are gone and my brother is gone. So I have my family back and my son has family My son, who never would imagine, and you know he has a very rich um, curiosity for history.
0: Yes, he has a love of history.
1: He has a love of history. And so for him, to talk to them and and understand, you know, this is his family, is very important. Mm. So for me, this has given back something to me that I never thought was possible. I knew... Nothing about my biological grandmother, only that she had died um, in childbirth, giving birth to a child. I knew nothing about her. And now I know, But it's interesting because my cousin tells me, you are her. You have so many of her qualities, physically and and emotionally. You are this woman. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's made a big difference in my life.
0: Tina, I want to thank you so much for sharing this incredible story with us this evening. What a wonderful, uplifting story. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much.
1: and Thank you for having me.
0: You're most welcome, Gary. Well, it's that time again. And uh, I'm Richard. I'm Gary. And this truly was an incredible story.